On this week's episode of The Dude Therapist, we have an amazing guest, Mike. Mike is a certified professional men's coach. He has a BA in education and has spent 10 years as a teaching artist coaching young people. He trained with Challenge Day and with Lincoln Center Education in New York City. In 2017, Mike delivered a TEDx talk about the significance for young people to have trusted adults in their lives. Recognizing the impact and importance of deep emotional health propelled him into his coaching career. After graduating from Coaches Training Institute, Mike launched his coaching practice with the purpose of creating safe spaces for men to think deeply about themselves and to develop skills for living an authentic life. Since then, Mike has partnered with companies like Dropbox, LinkedIn, Google, TatLab, BBXX, and Sage Wellness. Mike also works with Everyman, where he hosts men's groups and facilitates men's retreats. When Mike isn't coaching, hosting webinars, or developing ways to help men grow, you can find him with dirty hands either planting in his garden or in the kitchen cooking with his husband, Jerry. Mike, Jerry, and their pit ball rescue Bert live in Mexico. Now, this episode was so much fun for me. I hope you enjoy it as well. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We're having a great guest on today, someone who I connect with a lot. Um, We both happen to be wearing beanies today, looking all cool. Uh, We also both happen to be men, uh, which is why I'm having this amazing guest on, Mike. Mike, can you introduce yourself? Tell us about yourself a little bit, who you are, where you're at, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a joy to be here. Um, I feel very honored as a guest on your podcast. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Uh, My name is Mike Sagoon. I'm a men's coach. formerly from Oakland, California, Bay Area native. Uh, My husband and I uh, have moved our lives to San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. Um, If you've heard of it or if you've been there, please ring me. Uh, It's a small town. Um, I work primarily, I work only with people who identify as male, so male-identified people. Um, The work I do is based in somatics and somatic experiencing, um, really slowing down and getting into our bodies Um, I firmly believe that all the answers lie within us. Uh, We are wise, wise people. And I also believe that uh, wisdom lives in our body. Intellect and knowledge lives in our head, which is completely necessary for the responsible lives that we need to live on a daily basis. But we don't often give ourselves an opportunity to slow down and drop into our bodies and notice what our bodies do are asking for us or wanting from Mm -hmm. us. And so I primarily work with men to get out of their heads and into their bodies so they can start to feel into their lives. Well, first of all, your, your voice is so calming and uh, so relaxing. Mm. Uh, Put me in a state of, you know, meditation up in here. Um, I love (laughs) it. It's very chill. It's like, you know, it's very soothing. You know, one of the biggest things I've, I've had other dads and men on before and the question I like to ask is, what is your definition of masculinity um, and how that defines us as people who identify as men? Well, I see masculinity as an energy, a Love force it. that we have. It, it, I, I don't equate masculinity or femininity to gender Beautiful. Or, to, 
or identity or even to sexuality. Um, I believe that all of us have masculine and feminine qualities and the masculine qualities that we have are also necessary, just like the feminine qualities mm -hmm. that we have. Um, and um, I see masculinity as this force, this place where I set boundaries, where I know my purpose, where um, I know my worth, where I know that I can serve and provide and help. Um, it is also this part of me that um, uh, I love this word. I've been using this word uh, quite often this year, which is protection. It is protection, protecting what is important to us. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I see both masculine and feminine qualities as a necessary uh, energy that we all need to embody in our lives. Um, there are different situations where our masculine needs to come out a little bit more. There's other situations where feminine needs to come out more. Uh, me as a man, I identify mainly with the masculine, mainly based on conditioning and programming in my life. However, there are masculine qualities that I have that I need to work on, that I need to um, unearth more often, that I need to share. Mm -hmm. I naturally, as a um, gay man of color, as a coach, I sit in the feminine and I express the feminine quite frequently. And so for me as a person, um, my work has been actually to step into the masculine a little bit more, mm. um, to embody the masculine a little bit more. Can you talk a little bit about, you're talking about the different energies and I love that. And I think it's so true. I myself um, lean more towards the feminine kind of because I'm a therapist, mm -hmm. that empathic understanding, listening um, more softer, I would say, not that it makes me any less of a man, but it's just the energy that I bring. Um, what are some of the maybe, you know, maybe now we can kind of get into the pros and cons if you want to, what are some maybe negative sides of the masculine energy that we see so often that is talked about so often, whether you refer to it as toxic masculinity or other negative terms about masculinity, what are some of the negative connotations or things that kind of come up or pop out of the masculine energy that you would like to bring out or that you see in the work that you do? Well, I mean, the first thing that pops up to me is protection, right? And um, we as men have been programmed and conditioned to um, use violence to protect, use um, hostility mm -hmm. to protect. And, um, you know, in, in the American culture, there's a clear parallel between, quote unquote, what it means to be a man. And I'm going to say, I'm putting these in quotes because what it means to be a man today is different from what our fathers, our grandfathers thought it meant to be a man 100%. 30, 50, 60, 70 years ago, right? So it's the, the, the definition of manhood has evolved to, for, for our needs today to the modern man. And, um, you know, I think for us today, we're coming into this place of awareness, this place of like waking the hell up and being <laughs> like, whoa, like what happened for my father and grandfather doesn't actually work for me today. The way that I need to provide or the way that I navigate this world or the way that I show up for my family today isn't the same way or the same kind of showing that my 
father or my grandfather did back mm-hmm. when they were growing up or back when they were raising their kids. And so, uh, and one of those traits is how we protect what we, what is important to us. And there's no denying that domestic violence is, is prevalent in mm-hmm. our world today. There's no denying that men are the majority of the abusers in those situations. There's mm-hmm. no denying any of that. And um, I think what it really, and, and, and this is like so nuanced and there's so many other layers to this, right? But I think one of the things that we don't often talk about growing up as boys is what it means to be a man, but an emotional man. And so where our fathers or our grandfathers and our ancestors were protecting land, protecting their food source, protecting their families from danger, today we don't necessarily have that kind of predator in our life. What we do start to protect, though, is the hurt and pain that's happening inside of us men. And for many of us men, we don't know how to sit with that hurt and pain. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to unearth it and shine a light on it and say, holy cow, like that's something that I need to work on. What we are taught, though, however, is to be a man, we need to protect that and we need to puff our chest out. And so whether it's a person trying to rob your house or it's your intimate partner, you trying to protect that hurt inside of you comes out. And sometimes it can become dangerous. Sometimes it can become toxic. Sometimes rather than protecting what's happening, you actually dis- destroy something. Yeah. And so there's, um, you know, I think, I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's a whole group of guys that um, are like on this, this, this notion that, masculinity masculinity isn't toxic and guess what like i i i believe masculinity isn't toxic i believe masculinity is a beautiful aspect of all of us humans it's a beautiful quality however when we aren't aware of how our ideas of what masculinity is and how they drive us and we're not aware of how this impacts us and the people around us then those qualities can become toxic you know, I, lo- I love that idea. I love that distinction because as a, as a therapist, you know, anxiety is not dangerous or bad. It creates a sense of safety that something is wrong and you're worrying about it. There's a border where it crosses that stops you from being a full on quote unquote healthy human being in your mindset, in your body, in your functioning. And the same thing goes for masculinity and even femininity, right? There's a healthy side to it that is important, that is embraced, that is powerful, that is magical and beautiful. And it brings energy into life, into you being a human. And there are parts of it, if not tapped into correctly and right, can be very destructive, like you said, and very, very unhealthy. Um, And I love that you brought into that because there is a group of people that feel that toxic masculinity is not a thing. Doesn't exist. It's not toxic. It just is. And there is a viewpoint in American society that uh, this masculinity or powerful man is needed in nowadays to to save us and protect us from all the dangers in the world. Um, you know, we discussed a little bit before we got on the call. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It is uh, we're recording on January 7th, the day after craziness in in uh, in D.C. And this idea of of what is strength and my right as a man to protect my land and protect who I am and protect my family and all these things of 
protection. My constitution. Yes, um, which totally connotes and uh, condones all these things, which is so nice. But this isn't a political thing, uh, which I agree with you a thousand times mm-hmm. percent, of course, Mike. Don't you worry. Not here to shut that down. Um, <laughs> it's just hard not to talk about it. It's just craziness what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's present. It's present. It's crazy. Yeah. But in the end, as a therapist, I noticed that I see a lot more females um, or people who identify as women in my office as a therapist than I do men. And mm-hmm. which is why I love talking to people like you in the work that you do. Cause it, it makes me happy as a man to see that people are getting help or getting mm-hmm. um, insight and awareness to some of their things. Why do you think that distinction happens of more women going to get help or to grow or to learn or to become aware compared to men who kind of don't? Look, man, we grow up as young people, whatever gender we are, whatever gender we come into this world as, and we all want and desire connection. We all desire wanting to be held, to be seen, to be cared for. It is part of, it, it is how we survive, right? I have, I have a few new uh, friends that are new fathers and uh, they're sending me pictures of their baby and them, they're shirtless and their baby is just skin to sense contact, right? They're like yeah. holding their babies naked. I did that. And right. And so, because it's necessary, right? Because a connection is necessary because the baby, the newborn needs to feel connection with another human being for their brain to develop properly, for their brain to release oxytocin so that their other body parts in the nervous system develops, which is why it is crucial for a newborn to have skin to skin contact with their family. And guess what? That connection that needs to be held, doesn't change. Mm-hmm. We always need it. We always crave it. We always want it. What's different though, is that I like to call it the politics of the schoolyard. <laughs> when we start to develop language and understand uh, uh, how our words impact people and how words impact us, we start to develop these belief systems around who we are as people. And if there's a dominant belief system around what it means to be a man, and that dominant belief system says, hey, if you hold your, your, your best friend's hand, you're gay. If you cry, you are a you're a derogatory term, right? If you you are weak then, you are yeah. less than. Yeah. Right? You are all these different things. You are not a man if you share this kind of emotion or you share this kind of intimacy with mm-hmm. another man. And so then we start to plant those seeds in our head, those belief systems and when our natural response is, oh my God, here's my best friend. And we look alike, we like the same things. And I want to hug you. And I want to say, I love you. And I just want to, I just want to wrestle and I want to hang out all the time. And then you have the external, you have the external stories coming in saying, oh shoot, shoot I can't do that. I can't be like that because if, if I do that, then that means I think people are going to think I'm gay. People are going to think that I'm weak. People are think that I'm a sissy. And so then we start to stray away from our innate quality to connect. Mm. However, young girls, they don't have those kinds of social pressures. They don't have the same kind of uh, pressures to uh, grow up and disconnect from their friends. Mm -hmm. And so they start to build at a really young age the skills to connect 
and to create intimacy in mm. relationships. And because, because they are readily available to hold space, but also to be in space with someone, it gives them more access and more ability to ask for more help mm. because they've been doing it for longer. They've been going to their girlfriends and saying, oh my gosh, like gossip and all the, the drama that's happening and all the things that's happening in their personal life. Yeah. They get intimate about their conversations and it's accepted and they get held and they get, they get honored for it. And it, and it develops a deeper connection with them and other people or other women. And so when I think about that, when I think about the disparity between men asking for help versus women asking for help, it makes so much sense that men have a hard time asking for help because it's so intertwined with our belief systems and what it means to be a man. It's hard for us to ask for help. And bringing back our fathers and our grandfathers, if their values were work hard, do it all on my own, I'm the lone wolf, I will provide and support for my family, I don't need any help, and I am doing this with a straight face, then your only examples in life is that. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to na- then navigate to this world being like, I'm a lone wolf then because mm-hmm. that's what it means to be a man because I need to provide for my family and my partner and I need to be the, the sole provider for this and I don't need help. And if I need help, then that means I'm weak. I'm less than, I'm not a man anymore. I lo- that was and, so and- well, that was so well explained. I mean, like, I, I know this, like, and it's not like I don't, yeah. I'm not aware of this. I'm a therapist. I do this all the time just for our listeners. And even for me to put it in that terms of the breakdown, but you know what the sad thing that comes out from this is that and I know that you're gay and why I want to talk about this is why is being gay a fear of men connected to weakness? If you can enlighten us, that'd be amazing because you know, I was talking to a, a doc, a psychologist is, um, is he, on his Instagram. It's called the evolved caveman. I can't pronounce mm-hmm. his last name. His name is John. And we talked about when I was a kid growing up, how did you look at your shoes or your nails as a guy? If you didn't, mm. if you did it yeah. the wrong way, like this or this, right. you were gay. Yeah. You're a wussy. Right, right, right. Why, why is being gay connected with weakness in the men, in the manhood or, or societal from men, from men's perspective, why is that? Why is that weak? Because I know I, plenty I of gay men I... who are damn strong in their confidence, in their self-esteem, in their humanity. Uh, you, you know, plenty of people I know who are better people than other people and make them no different in their strength and humanistic approach and their manhood, if you want to call it that. Why is that so associated with weakness? I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, you know, man, like I, I honestly, I don't, I'm not sure if I know the exact answer to that. I don't know if I know your experience, um, what the, but I, I, I think what I would connect it to and what I can speculate on is it probably has something to do with religion. It probably has something to do with what's right or wrong based on what your God thinks is right mm-hmm. or wrong. And when we follow that and we look at, I mean, if I look at my own history, Filipino American, um, my family grew up Catholic, mm-hmm. right? And homosexuality was a sin. I grew mm-hmm. up in a, in a predominantly Christian household. And, um, and what I was taught at my church was homosexuality was the first sin. It was the very first sin of mankind. And, um, and so it's, it's very like rooted in uh, religion and belief systems in religion. And, um, and you know, this, this country was, was built on belief systems, right? 
this this country was built mm-hmm. on belief systems that were built so that we can organize and control and and quote unquote keep peace and <laughs> and all that. However, and and I'm not sure what the what the the evolution of homosexuality being a sin to homosexuality being equated to weakness is, but I'm sure that we can find someone that has the answer to that. That knows the history on that. It just boggles my mind. You know, I just wanted to bring it into the conversation because it truly boggles my mind that every time I have this conversation with men about manhood and masculinity, that is always the, the connection of if I share my emotion or I hold a guy's hand or I say, I love you to another man. Um, Oh no, I might be gay or, Oh no, Mm -hmm. someone's going to think that I'm gay. And it pains me. It Mm -hmm. really does. And it doesn't mean that I didn't have that thought growing up as a kid. I am a straight white Jewish male. It does not mean I never had that thought, but the thing that bothers me now that I'm older, more aware, I'm more sensitive and a therapist who works with plenty of people in the LGBTQ community. And my viewpoint of that is very different. That is something that's a thought that's even a thought, but for women yeah. growing up, I used to be in a Jewish youth organization and girls will talk about how they would share beds in their, in their rooms while we were in hotels. We could not even think about it or sit on the same bed. We had to like take right. pillows and, and cots and make sure that we were not in the same. Cause if we were in the same bed and someone found us, uh Oh, right. but women were embracing each other and were connected. And I was always so jealous of that because they grew mm-hmm. up on that. And I love that you brought that out before, because it brought me back to that feeling of, I wish I had that as a guy growing up yeah, and not the yeah. fear it, of what that would mean if I did go that route. Right. Which is just a I very mean, sad you, place. Can you imagine, man, if we, if you and I grew up in a world where, saying I love you and holding our, our guy best friend was totally normal. Be great. That, that, that there was no shame around that. Like, but, but also like, can you imagine how emotionally stable we would be the emotional capacity that we would have as men to honor and own the emotions that we have and not have to equate it to a sexuality mm-hmm. or a woman's body part. Yep. Right. <laughs> You're right. It's, it's, it's very, very true. And um, it just brings me into the next, the next idea, the next topic. And we talked about the thing anyways, but emotional awareness is something that you messaged me that you want to talk about. And the idea, we talked about connection and vulnerability and emotional awareness is, is such a key trait and is such an important thing in life when it comes to how do you help men start the journey? Cause we can't get into how you help them because we don't have we i wish we had more time for that what is the beginning mm-hmm. starting uh phase when a man comes to you for help what are kind of the first couple of things that you either start with them or work with them to get them on the journey of embracing masculinity and their full self i when guys come to me i always tell them your journey started before you even made this call with me your journey started way before you and you decided to hop to schedule a call and make an intro call, introduce yourself to me. Your journey started when you had that moment when you said, this is not working anymore Mm. and I need help. It's the moment where guys start to realize, wow, my relationships are falling apart. I don't feel like I have a strong why in my life. I don't Mm -hmm. feel purposeful. I feel my 
I don't have energy. And I used to feel so passionate about everything that I did. And here I am in my late 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s. And that's been lost for me for decades, Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. And so for some guys, you know, the, the, the moment that they say, okay, I need some help to the moment that they actually book a call with a therapist or with a coach or with someone in that period of time, whether it is a split second where they go, great, I need some help. I need to go do it. Or it takes 10 years in order Mm -hmm. for them to work up their courage to them. All of that is information about their development and also their progress and their evolution. Mm. All of that needed to happen in order for them to get to this point where they can ask and have the courage to ask for help. And, Mm. and all of that needs to be honored. All of that needs to be looked at and honored and celebrated because every, every person, every man that comes to me is different and their, their aha moment, their come to Jesus moment, their rock bottom moment looks different for all of them. Yeah. Right. Love that. And, you know, you emailed me something that I didn't know what it was. And I wanted to ask you to explain the breath. Mm-hmm. What is that? And I'm, I'm so excited. Can you enlighten us what you meant by that in the email? Yeah. The very first thing that we do when we come into this world is we take a breath. The very last thing that we do when we leave this earth is we take a breath and then we're out. Breath has been a tool for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries to help calm our nervous systems down and to connect, Mm. connect with ourselves, connect with other people. And the breath slowing down is the first step into emotional awareness. It is the, um, the ability to calm our nervous systems down, to calm the racing thoughts in our head and to become aware of what's arising in our bodies and in our mind. Mm. And studies will show emotional intelligence is the greatest indicator of success today, right? Emotional awareness is the lessons we learn. Emotional awareness is the lessons we learn from our emotions. Emotional intelligence is taking those lessons and take, putting them into action, mm. right? We, we all know the adage, uh, knowledge is power, right? But I call BS on that because knowledge is only power if you do something with it. Yeah. And knowledge ain't power if it just sits in your head. Yeah. If knowledge just sits in your head and you don't do anything with it, then it's not power. It's just knowledge. It's just there. Right? So emotional awareness, we all have an emotional body. We all have emotions that we hold, that we carry, that we feel. Emotional awareness is taking a backseat and observing these emotions and then learning from your emotions and then taking that into your life and going, okay, cool. These are the lessons that I learned from my anger or from my shame or from my sadness or from my joy. And this is how I'm going to use it in my life. And um, more, most commonly what that looks like in the line of work that I do is reactions. How are you reacting in -hmm. this world? And how are these reactions disconnecting you from your truest self? And disconnecting you from the people that you love and the work that you love. And so, so when we can slow our bodies down, when we could take that breath mm-hmm. and really be intentional about how that breath enters our body, and we can be intentional about releasing and letting go of the tension in our body, 
then we can then start to calm our nervous systems down. And when our nervous system calms down into parasympathetic, then we're not in this fight or flight. We're in the rest and restore. And then rest and restore, that's where creativity happens. That's where our body actually gets to do what it needs to do to heal itself. Yeah, That's when we get to sit in this space of um, uncertainty and be okay with it. Yeah, is when we are in parasympathetic. It's when we are calm, when we aren't always fighting and, and, and running away, when we're not chronically stressed. And so the breath is the first step in, for us to get emotionally aware, physically aware of our bodies. I love that you brought that out, the breath. I don't know if you watch this movie. I'm a huge Pixar animation, Disney kind of guy. And Soul, the new movie Soul that came out recently on Disney Plus was mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. And the last scene, not to ruin it for anyone, uh, sorry, is um, he comes out of his house and takes a big deep breath mm-hmm. and goes on with his day. And that truly connects to what you're saying right now. The idea of being aware of the little things of life. Good, bad, Mm -hmm. ugly, happy, sad, all the emotions that come our way, but awareness, emotional awareness, physical awareness is extremely key to be tapped in to what we do in a daily life and then how we perceive it. And like you said, react because reaction, we can't control what happens around us. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. We try our best and that always fails. (laughs) <laughs> it always fails. We can't force Guilty. anyone. <laughs> we all do it. We all do it, Mike, it's, and myself included. Whether it's other people in our lives, whether it's situations, whether it's places, things, doesn't matter. But it's really about how we finally in, we, in, we internalize it, process it, and then react. Those things are all impacted by our emotional awareness to where we came from, where we are now, where we're going. And I think yeah. that breath is so key to take a deep breath, a moment to just still calm and still to assess and then act instead of reacting in a healthier way, I think is so important, especially for men, for anyone, for anyone. But right now we're talking about men's work. It's so key. And I love that you brought that in, which is what I want to talk about the next thing for the other people in the men's life, the partners, the family members, the children, the spouses, anyone who's in a man's life, who is struggling, what are some ways, because I know we talk, we wanted to talk about vulnerability. I'm a huge fan of vulnerability. I love Mm -hmm. it. I think it's key to success for future of being emotionally in touch for relationships, for yourself, for everything that we do. How can we help the men in our lives who are struggling to be vulnerable, to be emotionally aware, to be healthier, to be happier, all those things that you do so well and have had success clearly with all the things you do, whether it's your TED talk, um, whether it's all the organizations you're involved with, you can check mm-hmm. them out. I will put them in the list. I promise the show notes on his, about his website and the amazing work that Mike does. What are some of the tips or skills, maybe one or two or three that you can kind of advise or, in, or enlighten the listeners for them to help their men in their life embrace yeah. that stuff? Owen Marcus, um, he's really well known in the men's work space. He's one of the co-founders of Everyman, one of the organizations. Which is what you're involved in. Um, Exactly. Um, Love that organization. uh, Owen Marcus is one of my teachers. And um, he says, vulnerability is the ability to allow ourselves, is allowing ourselves to be impacted by other people. That is what vulnerability is. And I like to put my own little spin on it. And vulnerability is also being impacted by other people, but also allowing ourselves to impact others. 
Love it. That's also vulnerability. And so when we think about vulnerability, I mean, you know, vulnerability is what it means is to open up, right? Which is why we, in a war, we equate it to, to weakness because if we open ourselves up, we're, we're opening ourselves to being attacked, yep. right? But the only thing that we're at war with is ourselves and our ability to drop in and, and with ourselves and connect with ourselves. And vulnerability is also not taught to us men. It's not taught to young boys. It's, we're never taught like, hey, like if you share your heart to your best friend, that that creates connection between the two of you and it actually strengthens your relationship. It, 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 it allows you to, to accept each other and see each other as equals. We're never taught that, man. And so we grow up with this idea that if I show any kind of openness or show any kind of vulnerability, I'm going to get attacked. And also the reality is, is men have been attacked because they've shared things, right? When, when there are people that receive vulnerable information and they are not secure with themselves, they can then use that information to attack the person that shared the vulnerability, shared with vulnerability. And so guys become traumatized by sharing these kinds of things and they close themselves off from sharing these intimate details of their lives because of that. And it, one, it takes practice. It takes practice, one, to find a trusted person that you connect with, that you, you dive deep into it, that it's easy for you mm. to talk to, where it feels effortless, where it feels like you can just be hanging out in a room, not talking about anything, and everything is just fine. Yeah. Finding that trusted person to see you, to hear you, and then just opening up little by little sharing some little details about your life. It doesn't have to be about the sexual abuse trauma right away, Yeah. right? It can be my parents got divorced when I was 10, right? And it could be these, or it could be a, a person called me gay when I was 10 and I was gay and that hurt me, right? It could be mm -hmm. these little things that don't have to be so massive and then we work our way into it. However, if that's not available to you, if you don't have that tribe yet, if you don't have those trusted people in your lives yet, allow yourself to be impacted by other things. So I like this, I like this example. I think many of us have watched movies, like let's say Soul, actually. Yeah. And watching Soul, holy cow, there were like five moments in that movie where I, my heart just went, <laughs> oh my gosh, Damn. and just tears, flood, 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 flood. And I'm sobbing with my husband. We're just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. Movies music are really wonderful ways to tap into your vulnerability by allowing yourself to be impacted by the work watching a ted talks that's powerful for you hearing an intimate conversation on a ted talk or a story and feeling oh my gosh whoa that impacts me i could feel the tingling sensations coming up in my sinuses i could feel my throat swell up i could feel the knot comes up in my stomach and i feel this sensation that feels like sadness and i want to cry and just allowing yourself to just feel that is a step towards being more vulnerable, mm. which is then a step towards being more courageous in your life. Yeah. Right. And so if people aren't available to you. If people, if you don't have any people that you trust in your life, there's, there's movies that you can be impacted by. There's music that you listen to that you can be impacted by. There's, TED Talks, there's talks, there's all these other places where you can allow yourself to be impacted by another person. Mm -hmm. And that's how we can start to build the courage to find someone and be vulnerable.
just lean into more vulnerability. I love that. You know, when you talked about the idea of emotions, um, it got me thinking this past week uh, in the practice that I work at, um, a lot of things have come up with my clients of the idea of thinking that emotion is bad. Hmm. Um, both men and women, actually, um, that me- that emotion equals weakness. And it's not human to have emotions. It's it's unhealthy. It's sad. My friend made fun of me. My cousin made fun of me because I cried at a movie. or And I have to like reassure them what being a human means. Mm-hmm. And the idea of not being a robot and a logical, purely logical being without any vulnerability and emotion. There's a concept in uh, a therapy model called DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, of the wise mind, of a mindfulness of wise mind, where you can't be too logical and you can't be too emotional. There's a balance, and the ratio mm-hmm. has to of that balance has to be right for you. It might be 50-50, 60-40, 70-50, whatever it is, it can't be 100% and zero. It's not possible. Yeah. It's not a healthy mentality to be too emotional or too logical, but that only happens to create that ratio, to create that balance is letting yourself have that balance. You need to have both sides. Mm-hmm. You need to open up to the emotion to be able to feel. And and you have and you have to be aware of it. Yes. Right? That that's the thing is like you in order for you to make changes in your life, you got to be aware of what's the problem. You got to be aware of what's not working. You don't have to have the complete answer. You don't have to solve the problem, but you have to be aware that something is not working in my life. So let's do something about it. And I want to reframe the bad, good emotions talk because it's actually, you're right. Emotions aren't bad or good. However, I will say that emotions can be constructive or destructive yes. in our lives. Yes. Right. And I think to your point, like being an overly emotional person, being an overfeeler can incapacitate us. Yes. Being an overthinker, an overanalyzer can make us cold and shut off to the world, mm-hmm. right? And the healthy balance there is what you're talking about is when we can be aware of how we interact with both of these parts of ourselves, the thinking and the feeling brain. How do, how do those, which is dominant and which do we need to work on more? Yeah. Right? Paul Ekman, who studies emotions. Love Paul Ekman. He says, yes, and, he, and this is from him. Emotions are not good or bad. They are constructive or destructive. All emotions that we have, we've evolved to have. They serve us. And every single emotion that we have, there is a purpose to that emotion. We have it for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so often we see um, heavy emotions um, like anger and frustration and shame to be quote unquote bad emotions. But anger is very powerful. And when used healthily, it is used back to protection to protect what is important to me. Yeah. It is the guardian of our boundaries. Yeah. Right. And so when when anger comes up, and there there are several, there are there's like a spectrum of anger that happens when anger comes up, a reaction to anger. It's either I'm gonna go to zero to 60 and I'm gonna like punch my, my hand through the wall. I'm going to yell. I'm going to be hostile. I'm going to be violent. Right. Or there's the, oh my gosh, there's anger. I need to hide. I need to get away. I need to shut down. I need to freeze. Yeah. Right. In the middle, right here in the middle, when anger pops up, it's I'm assertive and compassionate at the same time. Mm. I, I, I will stand up for what I believe in and I will get what I need for my life and I'll be loving and compassionate. Which is the difference, by the way, in communication between passive, aggressive, and assertiveness. People think assertiveness mm. means aggression. Assertiveness means saying what you feel and need in a 
concise, collected, compassionate way. And passive means yeah. being walked over because you totally shut those emotions out and aggression gets you nowhere. And we can see that in the in our world around us, how, especially now on social media, um, where someone has a different opinion or a different thought process, whether it's politically, religiously, whether it's um, all the things going on in the world around us, the, the first reaction that is not helpful is aggression, to yell and scream and point fingers and that is a very unhealthy way of communicating. You will not get anywhere. The person will not hear you and your point will not get across. Whether it feel good, it feels better or feels good for you to show that aggression <laughs> and get it off your chest, you can be more productive if you just were assertive and said it just slightly differently, but with more, a little more compassion, a little more collectedness mm -hmm. and a little more emotion, um, emotional awareness then you can get your point across yeah. so much better. You know, not to keep you here forever because I truly enjoy talking to you because you have so many good things to say and are just an enjoyable guy to talk to. But in the end, mm -hmm. men's work is super important. And I think nowadays, which is why I wanted to bring you on one of the reasons is that on social media, there are so many accounts for, the, for women, for growth and mindset and success. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I think it's super important, but I think sometimes the pendulum has swung so far that men sometimes are forgotten in the neediness of that. They struggle as well. And there aren't a mm -hmm. lot of men's accounts like yours, which is why I want to have you on because mm -hmm. men need help too. The view of what men were is not the same as what it is now. And men need help because that's mm -hmm. changing. The times are changing mm -hmm. for better, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. I know my role as a dad and as a husband is not the same as my father's. Mm -hmm. My father barely changed diapers, you know, and I change diapers every day. I am present mm -hmm. with my daughter. I am present there with my child. And that is something that not all men grew up seeing. So the mm -hmm. fact that the work that you're doing, I think is so important and so integral because men really are struggling, whether they make it seem like they are, or you see it or not. Um, it's there. <laughs> it's there. And every time I post things about men's work, I get a flood of men. Oh my goodness. I can't believe you said that. I struggle with that too. Or this is so helpful mm -hmm. because this isn't this issue. And you know, all the issues that come out and the emotions that are so hidden or have been societally pushed on them to not feel is something that is so destructive. That is what I think yeah. is toxic, not masculinity. I think how society mm -hmm. has made us feel as men to be hidden, to be reserved, mm -hmm. or to be that strong, quote unquote, physically, emotionally powerful being is so that's what's toxic. I don't think masculinity mm -hmm. as, a, as, a, as a being, as an energy is toxic. So because I love your account so much, and all the work that you do, mm. where can people find you? Where can I share the sh in the show notes, but where can people find you to reach out if they have a man in their life or identify as a man themselves and want to work with you? Yeah. So I spend a lot of my social media time on Instagram uh, and you can find me at mike.sagoon, S-A-G-U-N. Uh, my website is www.mikesagoon.com. That's M-I-K-E-S-A-G-U-N. And if you're on Clubhouse, which is uh, a pretty new social media platform, um, I'm same same handle, mike.sagoon. Um, and um, shoot me a message, DM me. 
I also do some powerful work with every man. And if you're, if you identify as male <clears throat> and you want to see what is possible by being in community with other men, I have a free confidential men's group every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can just go to everyman.com and everyman spelled E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com and head under to the events tab and scroll down. I'm the Friday drop-in group every Friday um, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I would you know, love, I, love to connect with you. I can't wait to put it in the show notes. I can't wait to, sh- to share this episode and you know, I've been trying to connect with every man for a year or so right now. Mm-hmm. I love the work they do, the summits, the things to create yeah. a tribe mm-hmm. and a group of like-minded men that are healthy. The like-mindedness is not aggression. The like-mindedness is not hatred. The like-mindedness is not negativity. Like-mindedness is growth and success mm-hmm. and health as a man and what that truly means in a healthy way, mentally, physically, and emotionally. That to me is so beautiful and important and I think is so needed nowadays. Mike, thank you so much for coming on and I'll see you all next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode with Mike Sagoon, where we talked about men's work, what it means to be a man, emotional intelligence for men and the struggles that men go through that some people might not truly realize or have an insight into. So if you're a guy listening to this, or you're someone who knows a guy who needs to listen to this, reach out to us, listen to the episode, check out Mike Sagoon on his Instagram, on his website, reach out today. Truly an amazing human being, someone who is there to help when you need it. So don't forget to rate and review this episode on Apple Podcasts. And as always, reach out with any collaboration, any ideas, thoughts, concerns, questions, to the dude therapist at gmail.com or DM me at the dude therapist. Hope to hear from you soon. Hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Don't forget to be kind to yourself and to others. And I'll see y'all next time on the dude therapist podcast. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of the dude therapist And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, Email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what makes this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist podcast because we've got more guests and more great content coming your way.